Hello and welcome to This Week Podcast with me, Trevor Tucker. Just got me this week. We've just got back from a family holiday in the Lake Districts. And as you can imagine, life is a bit crazy when you get back from holiday when you have two children uh, in tow as well. It is my honour this week to introduce our guest, a great friend of ours, Jessica Tyler, or Jess as we'll call her. She is one of the most amazing women of God I've ever met. She's really just, yeah, so trusting in him in ways that I don't think I ever have been. Um, And she's coming on here to share her story. We want to put a bit of a trigger warning on this one, though. Uh, There is some um, discussion about attacks and the kind of aftermath of that. Um, So if you're uh, feeling up for it, please join us. But if not, uh, yeah, we just want to let you know about what's coming in this episode. So without further ado, here's Jess. So welcome, Jess. Hello. To the podcast. Thank you for joining us. Uh, so for those listening, I've known Jess a very long time. Very long time. <laughs> a really long time. Yeah, we just worked out that I was 19 and you were 11 when we first met. Yeah. And now I'm 36, so I'm old and decrepit. Um, <laughs> but for those of the people that don't know you, can you just give us a bit of info about who you are and, and what you're doing in life and things? Sure, yeah. Uh, so as you said, I'm Jess. I live in Bournemouth with my lovely, very, very patient husband, Josh. <laughs> you have to be patient to be married to me. I say that. She said um, it, not me. Yeah. Um, I'm currently actually in a transition phase with jobs. Mm. So I currently work for Marie Curie as a fundraiser, but I've just secured a new job with the NHS at Bournemouth Hospital. Oh, amazing. As um, a fundraising manager for the new birthing and emergency care centre. Wow. Which is very exciting. Very exciting. Yeah, I'm really excited actually because I'll get to work in an office for the first time in three years oh, okay. to actually get to talk to people and not just yeah, <laughs> go stir crazy. I was going to say, having known you for, as I say, quite a long time, I know you're not the introverted, like, stay at home, work on your own type. <laughs> no, I'm very, very excited. I just need to learn to work in an office again. <laughs> yeah, office etiquette, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, it's like you have to wear shoes when you're working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's not trackies that's what I always used to think yeah I was like oh I've got to put jeans on and go in the office yeah <laughs> nightmare um awesome well it's great to have you here it really is we ask everyone this question just to kind of ease us in so can you give us an example of a sermon illustration uh, that stuck with you went for better or worse <laughs> some of them were bad <laughs> yeah just saying um yeah that stuck with you for whatever reason it'd be great to to hear that um, yeah, so it's one I heard at Soul Survivor in 2012, um, yeah, ages ago, uh, by Patrick Reagan, who runs the XLP movement. So that's a youth movement in in a city, London. Um, and he said he was talking to a group of youth who were sort of very um, deprived from quite a rough area. And he said to he held up a five pound note and he said. Okay, I've got a five pound note here. Who wants it? Who wants it? And obviously everyone's hands just shot up into the air. Um, he then screwed up the five pound note and he said, okay, who wants it? And obviously everyone's hands were still in the air. He then threw it on the floor and stumped in it and like really kicked it about. And he said, who wants it? And obviously everyone's hands were still in the air. And he said, why do you want, the, why do you want it? And it was because the five pounds hasn't lost its value. And actually that's what, God sees when he looks at us, like we may be screwed up, we may be like, completely pressed on every side, but actually we haven't lost our worth and he still knows us and um, loves us, basically. Yeah. 
yeah. So I had that on my wall all through uh, my A-levels. Um, just, just loved it. That is a great, great kind of illustration. Yeah, that's a good one to keep with you, isn't it? Yeah. And obviously Patrick Reagan is, is someone that we follow as well as part of this podcast because of his new venture as with Kintsugi Hope. Oh, yeah. Which is a mental health, Christian mental health charity. So, yes, yeah. Nice, nice, nice one to bring there, Jess. I like that. <laughs> You've been doing your homework. I like that. Yeah. Um, so, when people come on this podcast, we like to to kind of explore some of their stories about the storms that they might have faced. Yeah. Um, for those that haven't heard before, maybe we we talk about kind of those dark times or the hard times in life and describe them as storms. Um, you know, they can be. <laughs> there can be lots of turmoil ups and downs but actually you know you, you try and navigate through them with god as that kind of hope for getting out of it so we'd love to hear your stories and, and what you might want to share with us so i give you the microphone so to speak <laughs> even though it's right here even though it's right there let's let's love to hear what you have to say absolutely um so i think for me my story has always been about my mental health ever since i was very small if it, whether i realized it or not um, so growing up, I had a lovely life. I've got three siblings. I'm the oldest. I don't know why I'm telling you, Trev, because you know, obviously. But... People listening don't. <laughs> People listening don't. It just feels weird saying it to you. Um, <laughs> um, got a sister who is three years younger than me called Liv. And then my youngest uh, sibling is Michael, who is 21. Um, and Liv is one of these people who is frustratingly good at everything. Um, <laughs> so just an example, um, she got 100% in her English A-level and didn't read the book. Oh. She just used wiki notes and was like, yeah, I understand it, and just got 100%. Like, Yeah, that is frustrating. Very frustrating. Yeah. Um, she got a grade 8 distinction for singing, and I've actually never heard her practice, even though I lived with her for most of my life like it she's just was very good at everything very naturally and I think as her older sister I really compared myself to Liv um, and I thought because I wasn't hitting the standard Liv was that I actually wasn't any good um, and I also went to grammar school which I had a great time like loved my friends still best friends with them today um, but they were very much about academic achievement yeah. you know they really disregarded the arts and it was all about they ran workshops to have like how to get to Oxford and Cambridge. It was really all about academic achievement. Yeah. Um, and so I really had the impression that I had to perform and be good. Um, and up until I was about 17, I managed that very well. Yeah. Um, but then when I was 17, <laughs> um, in year 12, I got my AS level results at Soul Survivor again. Yeah. Um, and they weren't what I wanted and they weren't very good. And at that moment, I really felt like the ground beneath me just fell because yeah. everything I'd put my identity in and my pride in and strive for just went. Yeah. Um, and then I, after that, started having anxiety attacks before school. So that was like um, being physically sick. Um, I wasn't really eating very well. Um, and I just had like a complete knock of self-esteem because I wasn't good enough um, and school from went from being a place of joy and somewhere I loved being to somewhere I was just terrified of because I because I hadn't got the grades I thought everyone was judging me um, so that was all very difficult um, and then my mum 
told who she was the youth worker at the time <laughs> and my boss as well yeah, and your boss that's why I know you well um she recommended I went to this encountering freedom course at church and I didn't want to go because I don't really like when people sit around and all talk about their feelings I find that a bit <laughs> it's a bit too touchy-feely no <laughs> yeah I'm just a bit like I don't really want to talk about that um but she told me to go so I, yeah. I did you don't, you don't say no to my mother <laughs> um and I opened up about how I was feeling about school and someone prayed for me. And it was the first time, I think, before or since I've ever felt the peace of God like that. Um, you know, it's very typical saying, you know, Jesus calms the storm. But actually, like, the storm was in my head and I just felt yeah, God took that away. Um, and, yeah, that was sort of... I, at the time, thought that was my anxiety gone forever. Yeah. Very naively, but actually life's not like that certainly not no um but yeah that's a real um first instance i guess with god's kind of intervening with my mental health yeah yeah so kind of was there anything in particular that um so kind of triggered that obviously you said you shared but was there like any prayers or bible verses or anything that or was it just kind of literally just being able to go and let it all out and it, that kind of welcomed kind of jesus into that space um, you know what? I just can't remember. So no, honestly, it wasn't that. No, that's fine. Because clearly a lot was going on in your head. So that's yeah, kind of understandable. Like, I think I, I'm the sort of person, like, I like rules and things written down. And I always have this, like, constant internal chatter. But actually having that internal chatter just be silenced. And so when it went to school the next day, I was like, it's all going to be okay. Um, and yeah, I just think it's that peace of God that, transcends all understanding that really met with me then yeah I think kind of being around at that time as well in a youth work space I remember the AS levels always came out when we were at Soul Survivor and I, and I remember as a youth team we were always kind of a bit like oh gosh it's gonna because <laughs> because we know we knew how much not just yourself but others as well you know had their identity in these kind of we must get A's, we got, we're under a lot of pressure here to get this. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we always knew that it was a very difficult time. We would, in some ways, it was really great that it came at Soul Survivor. Yeah. Because you were surrounded by people that loved you and yeah. wanted to support you. So it's kind of nice in that sense. But yeah, no, it's, uh, but also at the same time, as you say for yourself, you didn't get what you wanted. So being surrounded by loads of people <laughs> that you know is kind of must have been hard as well. Um, yeah, so good on you for even being able to share it like <laughs> what, 11 years later 11 years later yeah. hey it's fine it's fine it takes it's time fine. yeah it's just ironic because obviously uh, all the, these christian music festivals you're singing these songs like god i trust you're enough like i surrender my life to you and then i got that bit of paper and i was like oh actually yeah uh, <laughs> this is not what i wanted so it's a real challenge actually because especially because i was fit, had a fear of failure at that time to actually then fail and be like actually this is okay yeah because, you know, I've been promising God a week, like I'd follow him, whatever. And then actually trying to live up to what we'd been declaring a week was a challenge. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, that, that's that's amazing. So kind of maybe can you, can you talk us a little bit then kind of what happened next? So obviously you've had this this great moment where there's a bit of peace. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I've described it on the podcast before. Is actually, you know, if you look at a picture of a storm from mm. above, 
there's always a section of peace yeah and it's right at the center and actually the only way out is probably back through where you've come from or kind of new yeah. uh, new kind of path so what's your next kind of part of your story um the next part was going to uni in southampton um had a great time at Southampton in, in general, overall. Like I discovered, <laughs> I love fundraising. Um, I met my husband, met some lovely people, um, really sort of discovered who I was. But when I first went to uni, it was like those safety nets I built at in lovely High Wycombe had disappeared. Um, and I started struggling with anxiety attacks again. Um, and this time it kind of manifested itself very differently. So yeah. I developed insomnia, um, which basically meant I wasn't able to go to sleep, which was very challenging. Yeah. Um, and I was just massively, massively comparing myself to other people. Because um, in High Wycombe, I had my networks. I knew all my friends. I knew my family. I knew my church. That was all settled. Whereas at uni, you're sort of exposed to an infinite amount of people. And so... Um, like I had loads of friends who were really musical so I was like I'm not musical I'm not any good um I developed really low self-esteem for some reason so I just thought people didn't want to be my friend um I spent lots of time at church but there were people who were spending more time at church than me serving on more teams um so I thought they're all better than me I I did economics for some reason but you know there were people (laughs) (laughs) for some reason okay (laughs) that's another story um so there are people who obviously a lot better on my course than me and I was literally just exhausted because the whole time I just had this internal chatter of like, you're not good enough, you're not good enough. I'll try new things. I didn't, I wouldn't be as good as other people. Um, and yeah, and I also had, as I said, panic attacks where my heart would just start racing yeah. consistently. Um, I wasn't sleeping, so it was just all pretty exhausting. Um, and eventually I went to get help because my friend was like, this isn't normal. Um, so I had help through the wonderful NHS yep. and I also had help through a Christian mentor and as part of my therapy if you've been in therapy you'll know you sort of have to write down all your thoughts so it's like trigger and what it makes you think so for an example it might be um, I was with my gr- group of friends and they all did better in their coursework than me and then you're, you automatically jump to I'm a failure or I've or my friend's got loads more friends than me and you automatically think no one likes me blah 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 um and I was talking to my Christian mentor about this and she said something that's really stuck with me which was does God agree with anything you've written in that book yeah and going through that book it was things like I'm a failure no one likes me um I've disappointed everyone I'm always going to have anxiety um and we really started challenging those thoughts um, through a verse, which is Romans eight fourteen to 15, which, can I read it? Yeah, please. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> How dare you bring the Bible into this Christian podcast? <laughs> of course you can read it. Uh, so it's, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now we call him Abba Father. Um, so what it basically means is that we've received a spirit that we have not received a spirit that makes us fearful slaves. We we're actually children of God and all those things which are in my head, like you're not good enough. No one likes you. That's not what Jesus says. And actually 
if we call ourselves children of God, we can use the Bible to sort of defy these thoughts. Um, And we also started exploring sort of who we're made to be in God. And we looked at that verse from 1 Corinthians 12, where it talks about the body of God and how we're all like different body parts and different parts to play. And, you know, if a hand says to the foot, I'm no good because I'm not a foot. It's like, no, but you're not supposed to be a foot because you're a hand. You've got your own purposes. Um, And actually that theme that ran through my life of I'm not good enough, I'm not as good at X, Y, Z as someone else. Like, actually, if God wants, say, for example, my sister, if God wanted me to be live, he would have made me live. He did not make me live. He made me me. So why didn't I just go and be me and live in freedom that God's called us to live in? Um, And then... Another thing we looked at is there's 1 John 4, 18, which is there is no fear in love for perfect love strives out fear. And it's actually this comparison I had was all because I was fearful. Yeah. And actually, when you know love and know the love of God and what he thinks of you and he's got a plan for your life, you don't have space to compare yourself to other people because fear of comparison is not of God. Yeah. Um, and actually, I... You know, I still struggle with anxiety attacks and stuff, but that was the first time I challenged those thoughts practically. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it is just amazing what God can do and see how he can, how his scripture can defy anything negative you're thinking. Preach. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's nothing to say. It's that. That is, yeah, it's a really well put thought and thank you for sharing those verses. Um, we'll put those in the show notes when this goes out so people... Uh, can and can read those as well but that's that's amazing and, and you know one thing from an external point of view someone that's known you like, <laughs> as long as i haven't watching you grow up you know none of this was ever on show oh yeah <laughs> no there was you were this bubbly friendly person and and someone that i always looked at and thought she's amazing she's gonna be oh. she's gonna do really well and that's a genuine thing like you know you're your thing was at year 10 where you just were like, I'm going to pray for my friends. <laughs> so, oh. <laughs> I'm just going to pray for my friends. And like, I don't know how many of them had an experience of God or whatever, but it, it was absolutely just like this kind of, this force of nature. Like I'm going to bring my friends to God and you, and you set about doing it. And that's, that's the thing you can tell even talking as you are, like you're going through your anxiety attacks. And it's like, actually when you went to get help, you were all in clearly and you know you got yourself a mentor and you got yourself a therapist and you went through this and it's like right I'm I'm gonna be good I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna get through this and I think that's one of the things that's always been great about you in that sense in terms of you don't just you won't just you won't get help for the sake of getting help you're gonna get help I'm gonna be good and I'm gonna get through this I'm gonna smash it out of the park and that's really great to hear so thank you for sharing oh amazing. thank you amazing to share um okay so you've 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 got to this point, then you've got help. Yes. You've decided that you're, you know, the Bible is is a, is a great tool to help you through this. What happened next? Well, where did you go from from here? Um, yeah. So, so I still I still had therapy. Like I'm not saying the Bible the Bible is great, but that you know you do need to get professional help, and I don't think the Bible does necessarily mean you're never going to um, experience anxiety again. Yes, yeah, so I left university and I moved to London. And again, that was another safety net being taken right away from me um, because I grew up in High Wycombe. And obviously I know there's a, there are difficult situations in High Wycombe, but it's not like 
East London. Uh, it's not like it's not and I think I was at that point I was really exposed to uh, another world that I hadn't seen before um yeah that was that that, that was challenging yeah I didn't come like and I went to therapy again um because I had this thing in the back of my head that I had to uh, save everybody so I would have to stop and give uh, money to every homeless person on the street and um and that route of therapy was all about like not your responsibility like yeah and then I think even I got a bit confused with what it says in the bible like you know feed the hungry and I yeah. kind of got this really stuck in my head and actually it was that point that biblically I had to look and be like Jesus says the poor will always be among us and Jesus says we will experience trouble um, and it's that point I really started looking at the scheme of things and actually unfortunately there is a lot of brokenness in the world and you know we just need to find it's again it's about finding your place in the world and what god's called you to do and he hasn't called us to do absolutely everything no no yeah we all have our skills yes. and our talents yes um but alongside that there was another really defining point when i went lived in london um so at that time i worked for mind which is a mental health charity yeah. ironically um and i worked in fundraising and part of many roles of a fundraiser is to go to these big running events through London and stand at the side of the road soaking wet, cheering people on. <laughs> um, so in October 2018, it was a very cold, uh, rainy morning. Uh, I got up at 5am and left my house to go in to one of these cheer stations. And I got off the train at Green Park Station. Um, for those of you who aren't familiar with London, there's Green Park Station, Green Park itself, and then the Mall and Buckingham Palace. Yeah. Where uh, <laughs> the Queen used to live. Yeah, I was going to say, now the King. <laughs> now the King. I love the Queen. Um, again. Um, so I got, so it was half past five in the morning. I left Green Park Station and it was completely dark, checking down rain. And I just saw this dark park ahead of me and I was like, well, the Queen literally lives on the other side of the park. How, how dangerous can this be? Yeah. Um, later on, I found out that actually Green Park is so dangerous at night. They don't send homeless outreach there because it's like a really no-go area. But obviously I was completely oblivious to yeah. this. Um, so I started walking through Green Park um, and yeah, chucking it down the rain. And suddenly I felt one hand right across my nose and mouth, the other one right across my body. And I was yanked backwards. Um, and I was just being pulled in tighter and tighter and tighter. Um, and through my, my my side eye, I turned around and this man's face was like right up against my cheek. And he just whispered in my ear. And thankfully, I can't remember what he said. Um, but yeah, this man just had his arms right around me, just yeah, covered my mouth and nose so I couldn't really breathe. And yeah, just had me right up to him. Um, Thankfully, um, the beauty of the primitive part of our brains is the fight or flight response kicked in. Yep. So I managed to elbow him, push him off and just ran potentially all my life. Um, and then so I probably ran about 400 metres and I turned around and it was just this man silhouette just stood there staring right back at me. Um, so I just kept on running and thankfully I managed to lose him. Yeah. Um, and after that happened, I had this incredible surge of adrenaline. Mm. Again, it's the fight or flight response. And yeah. so I just got on with my day at work. I didn't tell anyone. I was like, it's, it's fine. Um, <laughs> um, so then I finished at the um, event 
and I came back to Stratford where I live. I remember I got off the tube and I just sat on the bench and just was shaking and I felt dizzy and it was like, oh, this adrenaline just left my body. Um, I realised I absolutely stank of weed, um, which is not something I'm used to smelling of. <laughs> um, and yeah, I just felt so alone. Um, it was point, point to say at this point, I didn't know anyone in Stratford. I lived in a really random house share with some randomers from spare room. Yeah. So it wasn't anyone I could really call on. So I texted Josh because he lived in Guildford at the time. And I said, can you come? So he came all the way from London, from Guildford, bless him. Um, and yeah, it was probably about a 10 minute walk from the station to my house. But um, it took about an hour because I was just terrified i remember at one point i ended up in middle of the in sainsbury's and i was like i don't know how or why i'm in sainsbury's it was that sort of confusion yeah um eventually i got home um and i ran upstairs and i just shut the door and sat on my bed and i just felt so alone um and terrified um and i remember praying and i at that point you know sometimes with prayer you have an agenda with god and i was like right i want to feel better yeah i want to go away um, and I just prayed and Jesus said to me, Jess, that attacker is my child and I love him. And I had this revelation that this man who attacked me in Lith Green Park was homeless and how horrendous a background he must have had to be on his own, high on weed in the park at five o'clock in the morning when it's chucking down rain. Like, I've never been in that situation. Um, and at that point, Jesus just said like, You've got to love him. Um, and yet my heart just broke for my attacker. Um, yeah. And at that point, um, I had texted a few friends to say what happened. And I just said, pray for this man. Um, I gave him the nickname Brian because the name just makes me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I just started this like, pray for Brian, pray for Brian. Um, and actually, when I went to bed that night, it was just so beautiful to think, this man started his day on his own in London Green Park. And actually, at the end of the day, there's loads of people praying for him. You yeah. don't even know him. Wow. So that was quite cool. So as someone that's been, and I've spoken about it on the podcast, but has been through an attack myself, that the response, you know, it's, it's I can't even comprehend how, how that must have been, especially as on your own in that sense as well, to be in that situation. Like, wow. Yeah. So, so in that in that space, you were praying for Brian. <laughs> I love that. I love that you called him Brian. Um, what what kind of happened next then? So obviously, Josh got there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wh what did you go through in that in that kind of sense? Because that must have been quite difficult to even bring that up with uh, what happened and explain that fully as well. Um. Yeah, no, I, yeah, so when Josh came, he was just like, what happened? And I just told him and then started talking about Brian and he was like, who is Brian? It's <laughs> like, yeah. just what I've decided to call him. Um, he was like, okay. And to be honest, again, I think that afternoon I was just on adrenaline because I hadn't processed what had happened. Um, but actually, I think the hardest thing that day was that the smell of weed was still on me. Yeah. and. I could I had a wash and I still could smell it and actually because it was right over my nose and my mouth it felt like he was still physically with me yeah of course um which is horrible and to be honest like I I was traumatized by it so you know I was um at 
it, when I worked at Mind, it was a big open plan office and I always sat with my back to the door and I had to move because I couldn't cope with people like walking yeah, of course. behind me. Um, and then, you know, like I still lived in that quite dodgy part of London um, and yeah, it's just generally feeling a lot more exposed, but mm. it was just a case of challenging myself a little bit every day. So, yeah. you know, it's like today I'm going to walk home on my own and not look back and then the next day okay I'm going to go a bit further and the next day I'm going to go in the dark and yeah, yeah. it's actually just take and what was really helpful is um one of my best friend's mum is a counsellor for um, victim support and I got a session with her yeah um, and she just explained to me what that actually your brain is going to replay things over and over again but that is just your brain recovering like yeah. you know you've been thrown in this trauma you can foresee your brain's like, what on earth is going on? And you just have to replay it. And actually, if you do feel a bit rubbish one day, just let yourself feel like that because yeah, your brain is just, needs to, and that's, that's okay. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that. That was incredible. <laughs> like the, the fact that you've gone through that and was so quickly able to, to speak into that. So did that then kind of change your outlook from a faith point of view in terms of like you said about the fact that you wanted to feed every homeless person or give them money. Did that anything change after the attack? Um, I guess I, it just really made me accept that we live in a, a broken world and actually this there, there's brokenness everywhere. But I think that little perspective I got into, that I saw into Brian's life mm. at that time when I was like, he's homeless, he's on his own, like actually made me realise that lots of people act the way they do because of, their background and actually I think very few people in this world go out to persecute people and hurt people deliberately mm. because a lot of it is just in response to yeah. what they've been through um, and I think another thing I learned was about forgiveness because um, <laughs> I'm like the world's least forgiving person like honestly if I argue with someone namely Josh I'll bring up something that happened like <laughs> three years ago and he'd be like, I said, sorry, and this was three years ago. Uh, you know, like, I don't really let go of things. But actually, I I was able to forgive him. And I, I kind of learned a bit, like, what Jesus means when he says, actually, forgive people. Like, you know, when it says in the Bible, as far as the East is from the West, yeah. it's like, actually, you know, there's your sin. And then there's you, like, it's physically can be further apart. And actually, it's just amazing to think that that's what God's done for us. And actually, that's what he calls us to do for other people yeah and and forgiveness is something that i think lots of people struggle with oh yeah <laughs> i mean i it took me years to get to the point where i even could say the word in the same sentence as about the people that attack me so yeah that for you to kind of even get there as quick as you have done that's yeah that's a real amazing kind of although i guess thing the difference between what i went through and what you went through is you knew the people and you were actually hurt whereas i think for me it was easier because I've no idea who Brian is. Yeah. And also, I was... Other than a funny guy that you've made up almost. You've got almost yeah. like a caricature of, yeah. of that situation, which yeah. is probably a, a way of your brain going, like, we need to deal with this <laughs> in a way that we can handle. Yeah. That's kind of adds some humour to it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, like, what I, I had it easy in a way because obviously I don't didn't know who he was. I wasn't hurt. So... I don't think you had it easy, bless oh. you. Um, <laughs> Okay, so in terms of like you now, your faith now, how is everything? How are you at this point? You know, you've you've been through some fairly traumatic 
storms. Um, wh- how are you doing at the moment? Where are you at the moment? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm doing well. I think um, we're, we're, well, Josh and I are just quite a transition period because we've just yeah. moved to Bournemouth and actually it's exploring, being like, what does God want us to do here? Because mm-hmm. um, again, there's infinite things you can get involved in and um, I think my nature as a person is to want to sign up to everything. <laughs> <laughs> Be like, I'll do this, this, this. But actually, um, I think I'm in a stage which I've never actually let myself do before and thinking, actually, what what does God want to do with me in Bournemouth? Yeah. Um, so that's... Sometimes yeah, you just have to be in a place <laughs> and not try and force it, <laughs> which is hard, I know. It is, but, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, oh, that's brilliant. Well, that's, yeah. I mean, that's great that you're in a, you're in a new town again and you, you, you're settling down and, yeah, clearly something exciting is going to happen. Um, yeah, I wish you all well. Thank with you. Your, your marriage and your <laughs> new job with the NHS. Yeah. That's great as well. That it's kind of almost come full circle in that sense. Yeah. You had the help from them and now you're going to be helping them and, and others. That's really wonderful. But yes, no, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you very much. Awesome. So that was Jess. We really want to thank her for joining us and for being so vulnerable in sharing her story like that. Uh, I was just totally blown away by some of the examples that she has given where her faith has just been so amazing and incredible and that God has really just helped her to to heal in moments where, you know, there seems to be no hope. So, yeah, we just we just really, really thank you, Jess, for sharing with us. That's all for this week. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can find us at We Have This Hope on Instagram and Facebook. You can email us at thishopeuk at gmail.com. Yeah, please do get in touch. We have had some great emails come through from you guys, and we just really love to read them. But Fee and I will be back next week with our next episode. Until then, God bless. Mm-hmm.